Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's take a look at some of the most haunted locations in India. But first, as always, let's head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac and do some shout-outs. That's right, we have shout-outs to Damien and Daniel, Dorian and Isaac, Eric, Joe, Marisol, Tanya, Aaron, Alexandra, Amy, Andrea, April, Ashley, Becca, Brandon, Chuck, Dan, Darth Pikachu, Donald, Dorian, Isabel, Jason, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Lauren Strawn, hey howdy hi, Lindsay Hahn, Manning, Martin, Michael, Mildog, Robin, Sean Bishop, hey howdy hi and aloha to you, Sherry, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Trudy, Vanessa, Veronica, Vicky, Art Muffin, Autumn, Carolyn, Cindy, Derek, Dill, Ezra, George, Harley, Heidi, Roger, Ian, Jeff T. Carrie, happy belated birthday to Jeff T. Carrie, Connie, Christopher, Lawrence, Leo, Liam, Loki, Megan, Nanashi, Paul, Ricardo, Russell, Seth, Scuston, Suzanne, Tim, Voidtech, Audra, Bob, Cindy, Devin, Elizabeth, Gamerfan, J Mark, Jade, Jerry, Kenneth, Kim, Laura Pitts, Melody, Paula, Ricardo, Scott, Spencer, Terminal Animal, What's That, Will, Alicia, and Jen. With this special shout out, as always, to Joe Teague and my boy Stitch. All righty, you can also find me if uh, I've got a lot of stuff that a lot of people asking about, hey, where can we, where can we reach you? How can we send you stuff? You know, what's your P.O. box? However you want to say it. I do have a P.O. box. If you guys want to reach out to me, you guys want to send me stuff, it is Paranormal Almanac or Kurt Sandvig, 1812 West Burbank Boulevard, number 7102, Burbank, California, 91506. I said it kind of fast. Let me do it once more. Paranormal Almanac or Kurt Sandvig, 1812 West Burbank Boulevard, Number 7102, Burbank, California, 91506. All righty. For those that want merchandise, you can head on over to storeenvy.com, search for Paranormal Almanac. That's where all the merchandise is. But as I said on the last live episode, I'm actually going to be taking down a lot of that merchandise. So if there's something that you see that you really want to get on there right now, now is the time to do it because I'm going to do just like kind of a spring cleaning, getting rid of all that. Not all of it. There's going to be some stuff that, you know, the the regular Paranormal Almanac logo, that's staying. The Paramaniacs, that's staying. The Don't Shoot, uh, the DSFB shirt, that's staying. But a lot of it is coming down. So if there's something you like on there, now is the time to get it. All righty. With that being said, let's head on over to Paranormal News. What time is it? It's time for Paranormal The first story in paranormal news, if it was on any other website, I would have said, well, this is obviously like some kind of weekly world news or some kind of BS, but no. It was on IFL Science. If you don't know that one, it's a great website. Uh, It's been on a number of websites. Retired Israeli head of space security claims Earth is collaborating with the Galactic Federation. Now, I'm not saying this is 100% true. You want to come up here? Come on up here. Oh, I got you. There you go. Good girl. Rum says hi. Uh, the former head of Israeli space security program, Haim Eshed, or Eshed, I don't know, I apologize, has either just spilled the biggest secrets in the world history or is deeply delusional. That's exactly how I feel. If this is legit, absolutely amazing. But is it legit? I don't know. All right, he is saying that um, he is a, well, let me tell you who he is first. He spent 29 years as head of Israel's space security program. He's also a professional uh, professor at the Technion, which is Israel's Institute of Technology. Um, he's definitely got the credentials needed, but is what he's saying true? He made some claims in an interview on um, the Jewish press with uh, with the reporter Yedioth 
Aharonoth. I I butchered that. I apologize. And he said, there's an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here. They, too, are researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe, and they want us as helpers. Yeah, it sounds bonkers and crazy when someone who should have that kind of uh, clearance level says it, but it's what's been said for decades. Maybe this is true, and if it is true, this guy's, like I said, this guy should know, and he is telling us, look, this is what's going on. He said the contract isn't just from worlds beyond the solar system, worlds beyond the solar system. There's an underground base in the depths of Mars where the representatives are and also are American astronauts. The ideas of humans making it to Mars without anybody noticing was the most unlikely part of the story so far, but he dialed up the hard-to-believe meter when he said, Donald Trump was about to reveal all before the aliens told him, wait, let people calm down first. They don't want to start mass hysteria. It's where the story falls apart for me. Uh, leaving aside the question of how, why he hasn't been silenced the same way, the idea that anyone, even aliens, would be able... Uh, I'm not going to go to that because that's going to cause controversy. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, he added, if I had to come up with what I'm saying today five years ago, I would have been hospitalized. Wherever I've gone with this in academia, they've said, the man has lost his mind. Today, they're already talking differently. I have nothing to lose. I've received my degrees and awards. I'm respected in universities abroad where the trend is also changing. I like that. I like that a lot. So is the, is this guy legit? I don't know. But if this guy is legit, what he is saying is groundbreaking. It's not going to shatter today's society. It's not going to be some religious BS that everybody's afraid of. That's why we can't have disclosure. But... You know, this guy seems to, like I said, he seems to have the credentials. He seems to have the security clearance to know this kinds of stuff. And if, if it's true, it's pretty incredible. Okay, up next in paranormal news. Donut UFO over Switzerland defies explanation. A photographer in Zurich, Switzerland, spotted the glowing object while four SpaceX astronauts, SpaceX astronauts returned to Earth thousands of miles away. On the night of November 8th, a photographer in Zurich, Switzerland, uh, who goes by the Twitter handle, I don't care, it doesn't matter, um, took a photo of what he calls a donut UFO. It's composed of several bright blue concentric, concentric rings. The flying object looks as much like a spacecraft as, a as the breakfast treat. Um... The photographer suspected he had actually glimpsed SpaceX Endeavour capsule, which was scheduled to return to Earth that night with four astronauts who just concluded a 200-day stay on the International Space Station. But they, they say no. There's a problem with the story. The Endeavour capsule splashed down at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time that night. It landed a half a world away in the Gulf of Mexico, more than 5,000 miles, 8,000 kilometers from Zurich. So they're saying, no, there's no possible way that's what you took a photo of. But what did you take a photo of? The uh, identified, uh, unidentified object over Switzerland may not have been flying at all. It could have been the garbled image of a distant star. That's kind of what I think. Looking at this photo, it does look like if you've ever looked at stuff through a telescope and it's not exactly uh, focused quite right, you get these kind of concentric rings or these weird fuzzy objects, but not quite as clear as what this is. It is truly an unidentified flying object because I have no idea what the hell he took a photo of, but kind of does look like a U uh, donut UFO. I'll post that up on the uh, Facebook page as well. All righty, this one just came out today. I-Team, Congress renews interest in UFO sightings, wants to create new office to investigate incidents. I'm not going to go through this whole story because a lot of it has already been said previously. Um, the good part is that Congress is still considering legislation to create a new and permanent office to investigate UFO incidents and related phenomena. One of the primary reasons is the link between UFO sightings and nuclear weapons and obviously the, the U.S. Navy. So let me go on through this. Bunch of classified documents, blah, blah, blah. Bunch of retired military officers. Yeah, it's a lot of the same old stuff. The, the important part is, though that the government is still working on this team, and I think that's fantastic. All righty, with that, let's move on to the next one, because there's a lot of UFO stuff in this week's uh, paranormal news. 
Coming up next, man in disbelief after spotting crystal clear UFOs above St. Helens. The uh, three crystal clear UFOs were spotted over St. Helens on Sunday morning. Eddie Dean claimed we've seen three of them over St. Helens, what he calls an interesting Sunday morning. Uh, he said it was a beautiful blue sky. I looked up. I saw I saw all the planes up there. I thought it was absolutely lovely to see so many planes in the sky after all these lockdowns. I looked at one particular plane, and just as I was turning, I looked up, and it was just sat there. There was a plane flying over at a high level, which you could guess in excess of 30,000 feet, but this was much, much higher. Then there were two more right up there, and the next minute, they just kind of faded away. They faded away separately, and when they came back, then I said to my wife to bring the phone out so I could video it. I didn't manage to capture it on video as much as I'd like to, but it's crystal clear. It faded in and out. We didn't realize until we looked at the stills we took from the video, but there was actually a third one on there, so it, per it formed a perfect triangle shape. He said that the UFOs look metallic. You could clearly see a metallic look. You could see that there was a shadow on one side because of where the sun was hitting. It was clearly picking up light from the sun, and when they turned red, just before they all disappeared. He believes that there has to be some other form of life out there. Good for him. That's awesome. Um, but I want to see the video. Where's the video? Really? You talk about a video left and right, but you don't actually have the video. Well, there is a photo of it, and it it's not as crystal clear. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it crystal clear. I would say you took a photo of some silvery circular object, and that's very bizarre and very weird, but I wouldn't call it crystal clear. So with that, um, let's move on to the next one. Up next in paranormal news, UFOs spotted repeatedly in the sky above southern France. Now this one has a ton of news stories about it. It is popping up everywhere. People all over France, Mont Montpellier, uh, Perpignan, sure, why not? And Andorra, can't be Perpignan. Um, Perpignan, sure, why not? Um, anyhow, a bunch of people are seeing stuff over southern France. They're saying a UFO was spotted by several people along the Mediterranean coast on Tuesday evening, November 9th. Local weather service published a video on its Twitter account showing footage of the glowing object, which was oblong or rectangular shaped, and which seems at one point to somersault through the air. Now, there is a video, so I'm going to click on this one, because as you know, I love to watch a good video live on air. All right, I don't need the X-Files music. I'm turning that down. There's a circle. It's floating in the sky. Disappeared. All right, here's the second part. Oh, wow, that is very rectangular shaped. Huh. So it's a very bright, rectangular, like, tube light. Oh, it is. Oh, that is flipping around in the sky. All right, this one is very cool. This one piques my interest because it's not, definitely not a flare. I mean, obviously, you can't tell how big it is, but it's not a flare. It looks like a ginormous glow stick kind of flopping through the sky. This one's really very cool. Oh, and there's more video as well. The UFO was seen by many people in those many towns of southern France I can't pronounce. And there's another video. Let me click on that one while I keep on reading this story. Wow, that is very interesting. I I will say that this one is a lot more intriguing, and I like the fact, because at first I thought it was, oh, it's probably some reflection off of the dash of the car, because a lot of them seem to be from a car. But no, it goes around the windshield and out the other side, and it is definitely, I won't say flying. It looks like it's floating, but it also looks like it's tumbling while it floats or flies as well. Social media users have developed several different theories about the origin of the object, suggesting it could be a drone or a satellite. No. However, no one has been able to definitively explain what it is. During the stormy night of September 15th, Montpelier residents noticed another strange light in the sky above their city. However, France 3 later reported that the lights were coming from the projectors near the Heltropensen, where the campus uh, Creative Arts Education Collective was carrying out rehearsals. All right, so it, could it be something that someone put up in the sky to try and get some more publicity? Yep, totally could. But this doesn't, like I said, it doesn't look like flares. It doesn't look like one of those, um, oh, I forget what they call them, like those those lanterns where you, you put a candle underneath a bag and you let it float up into the sky that, that people do all over the world. It doesn't look like anything like that, but I don't know what exactly it is. I do like the fact it's rectangular shaped. It's not just a circle or a flare-looking kind of object. There is more to it than that, and it does seem to be tumbling as well. All right, let's keep going. Uh, 
Next in paranormal news, man bemused after doorbell cam films triangular UFO flying over street. And there is a video, so I'm going to watch it now. Oh, wow. Wait, is there sound? Let's see. No, doesn't seem to be. Again, very interesting. It's definitely a triangle. It's got the three points and three lights on and on the end of each point. It does look like the typical triangle UFO flying over this guy's house and his dash cam just, or his door cam just happened to pick it up. Um, I would like it better if it didn't have a giant logo of the website on it, over it. But uh, from what I can see, yeah, this is a very interesting one. I'll put this one up as well. Normally, I wouldn't put things on from the mirror.co.uk because they put a lot of BS on there. I almost swore. Uh, they put a lot of BS on there, but this is just a guy's door camera. And it's, he said, I sat up, I sat with my friends and said, blimey, I didn't hear the doorbell go, but I've got an alert come up. I looked at the footage and played it back. It was silent. Three lights came from the sky and I thought it was really weird. Where it's coming through the trees, it comes over the house opposite me. When the footage captures it coming from right to left, it disappears over the top of the woodland to the left of my house. It was a bit of a chilly evening. I thought, oh my God, that is quite close. I wondered if I discovered something nobody knows anything about. When I showed Kevin, he said, geez, that looks like a UFO. Since then, the video was uh, posted online on Tuesday. It's attracted more than 677. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. It looks like a triangular UFO with the lights on, the, on each end of the, on the end of each point, I guess I should say. All right, let's keep going because I'm burning through this episode. I'm still on the paranormal news. UFOs buzzing U.S. warships may be aliens, according to top spy chief. The uh, Avril Haines, the director of national intelligence, who, is, who oversees all 16 U.S. spy agencies, including the FBI and the CIA, was speaking at our Future in Space event at Washington National Cathedral. Haines was quizzed about UFOs, which become a serious national security debate. And uh, st- and said, uh, where'd she say? Let's see. She appeared to crack the door open, open even further to a possible alien link at the event where she spoke alongside NASA chief Bill Nelson and a couple other people. And she admitted there remains things about the strange encounters which the intelligence community simply does not understand, highlighting the need for more investigation. The main issues that Congress and others have been concerned about is the safety of flight concerns and counterintelligence issues. Always there has to be, always there's always, always there's also the question of, is there something else that we simply do not understand which might become, might come extraterrestrially? That's a terrible sentence, lady. Um, She said, uh, it said that she seemed to hesitate when mentioning the word, the word, extraterrestrially. Boy, whoever wrote this on the New York Post, you did a terrible job. There's so many misspelled and wrong words on here. Um, so yeah, basically, that's fine. I'm going to keep going on. Uh, basically, she said, yeah, they could be alien. There's something, seems to be something extraterrestrial to them. Already up next in paranormal news, a non-UFO news story. Bigfoot Hunter claims Yeti is 30 miles from Coventry after footprint after footprints and claw marks are found. That's right, a UK Yeti. Uh, Lee Brickley said he found tracks and claw marks. Come up here then. There you go, good girl. Lee Brickley said he found tracks and claw marks after spending a decade searching for Sasquatch. I wouldn't call him Yeti, I'd call him Sasquatch, but that's fine. But he is a Yeti hunter. hunter. Hi, sweetheart. And he is. he claims he has proof of the giant beast is living amongst us just 30 miles from Coventry. Uh, he says he spotted a giant footprint and claw marks in Canuck Chase, Staffordshire, and is convinced that, it's come, that it has to be coming from Bigfoot. The footprint measures a whopping 41 centimeters from toe to heel, nearly twice the size of a man's size 8. It's an odd measuring device. Um, he said that people think he's mad, but he's on a mission to prove them wrong. There have been sightings of a Yeti-like creature around Canuck Chase in Staffordshire, Dating back to the 1800s, he's heard of 12 reported Yeti sightings in the UK and he's even camped in the woods and hoping to discover the creature. He says, loads of people, terrible pop-up timing, loads of people now message me regularly asking for updates. I got an anonymous email from a man who said he's been flying a remote-controlled plane over Gentleshaw Common at Canuck Chase who said he saw something unusual. With his description of the location, I went out there straight away and I found a footprint. I was, astound- I was astounded. I'd never seen a footprint that large in my life. All right, here's my problem with this one then. You get an anonymous email basically telling you where to look, and then when you go there, you find a big footprint. Eesh. 
My BS meter is high on that one. But he goes on to say, uh, he found the claw marks on a tree near a mutilated deer. It looks as though something had bitten and ripped out its throat before eating from the torso. You see a lot of dead deer on the Canic Chase. Um, often they've been hit by cars, but it was unusual to see one in that condition. He claims he came across Bigfoot once while researching for his book. He says, I can't say for sure what it was. It's around 7 p.m. getting dark, and the figure was covered in shadow. It definitely moved more like an animal than a man, and it was easily seven feet tall. I tried to run after it, but it was too quick and disappeared into the dense section of the trees. That's very cool. I hope that it's something legit and it's not someone just messing with a poor guy who's already, you know, spending way too much time out in the woods looking for a Bigfoot. But I want this guy to succeed, obviously, as long as he doesn't doesn't effing shoot Bigfoot. That's right. I'm keeping with that trying not to swear thing that I talked about for at least another few episodes. And finally, in paranormal news, Hunter in Michigan claims he encountered Bigfoot and took shocking photo proof of it. Uh, Craig Salk, 59. What? He already died? Oh, this is terrible. Uh, who tragically died from a rare form of cancer in April. Um, let's get to the photo. Oh, he had a bunch of trail cameras set up on his land. In 2012, one of the cameras snapped a mysterious figure that didn't appear to be human or animal. He said, hold on. All right, thank you, sweetheart. You're good. Stay, stay, stay. You stay down. He uh, reached out to a TV channel that uh, did uh, Finding Bigfoot because he was a big fan of the show, and he said, look, I've got this photo. The next morning they called, and they said they were coming. He had captured three shots of Bigfoot. The first was blank. The second showed the creepy figure, and the third was blank. Okay, then then you got one shot of Bigfoot. You got two blank photos and one shot of Bigfoot. Now, do they actually have the photos? No, no, no. Look, I'm happy that this guy finally got something before he passed away, sadly. But I want to actually see the photos. I'm going to turn it down. You guys don't need to hear these guys. All right. There's a YouTube video of the trail cam. Blank. I see the blank one. I see the blank one. and There's a deer in each of them. Where is the big, oh, hmm, um, there does seem to be something there. I'll give him that. It does seem to be something there. It could be pareidolia, but it could be actually a Bigfoot in the trees. I'll put it on the uh, Facebook page. You guys let me know. All righty, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. I got a lot of episode to get to. We are back. Alrighty, on this edition, I wanted to focus on one of the on some of the most haunted locations in India. The reason I chose India is there's a lot of legend, a lot of lore that I've already kind of talked about a little bit or tangentially, like it in, in the Jin episode, and there's been a couple of haunted cemeteries and things like that. But the more I looked into India, the more I was really surprised to find out just how many haunted locations there were and how open people were to talk about the locations, whether it just be the legend or it's eyewitness, um, you know, like testimony of ghost sightings. So let me do my international story apology now, because yes, I will probably not probably, I will get some names of people and places wrong. I don't think I have that many people though, mostly places that I'll get wrong for that. I truly do apologize. I really do. Listen, I know what it's like to listen to a podcast and hear a name or a place mispronounced or having a host get some supposed fact just completely wrong. And yes, I get it. It's aggravating. It's annoying. But doing a podcast for as long as I have, I can listen to a podcast and go, well, they got that wrong and not have to email or message them going, you you said this one wrong. Yep, you're right. I probably did say something wrong and I'm going to say something probably wrong or mispronounce something on this episode. So I'm admitting to it right now. It's fine. Unless you're from India and I say something so horrendously wrong that it's offensive. Please let me know that because I'll definitely do an apology. But otherwise, yeah, okay. Just we get it. I'm not going to pronounce things quite right. We're fine. All right, that out of the way, settle in, because even though, like I said, even though I knew India had some amazing haunted locations, I had no no idea at all how many 
until I started researching. In fact, I kept leaving this episode basically partially done, the outline that I do for every episode. I kept kind of just putting it off because the list was so long and basically, honestly, daunting that I would, ah, I'll get back to it, ah, I'll get back to it. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I got to do this one. I got to do this one and kind of, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll, I'll do it some credit. I'll tell you about some location you've never heard of because that's what I like to do on this podcast. And for anyone local from India, I hope I do it credit. I hope you guys go, yep, yep, that was pretty good. He got a couple of names wrong, but otherwise, pretty good. All right, that's saying, let's jump right in. And I think, I hope, God, I hope, I will pronounce this first one correctly. The Charville Mansion. Now, this castle, or mansion, or whatever, was built in the British reign. It's located in the hills of Shimla, so somewhere between 1858 and 1913 when this story takes place. Now, in 1913, it was rented out by British officer Victor Bailey and his wife. I don't know her name. That's I hate, hate, hate the fact that every site does that when it's like, you know, and then Steve Johnson and wife, and then Carl Fredrickson and wife. No, if you have the ability to say the person's name, Please say the wife's name, and I, I, I tried to find it, but sadly, no. British officer Victor Bailey and his wife in 1913 rented out the Charville Mansion. That was when he was appointed the assistant secretary of the railway board. Now, most sites say that for a while, nothing paranormal happened. There's a couple that say, like, right from the get-go, it was just, you know, that shit, ooh, it was crazy. I don't think that counts. I didn't really swear. Uh, it was absolutely crazy. But uh, he started hearing stories from the locals that his mansion was haunted. Now, most, if not all of the stories, seem to revolve around one room of the mansion upstairs. And he thought, well, that's odd. That's, you know, we don't really use that room. Why is it that room? So he decided to test this ghost story, which I got to say is pretty cool. Somewhere around 1913 or right there afterwards, this guy was like, oh, I got a ghost. I'm going to see if I've got a ghost. Instead of just being like most people in the early 1900s who would be like, I must burn down the house and pray for forgiveness. You know, that kind of stuff. This guy was like, no, nah, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to try it. So what he did was he made a note of the room. He walked in, looked at the room, looked at all the belongings, looked at everything. And okay, that's there, that's there, that's there. And he locked the door for a while. Now, no one really knows how long. There's, it's, Every site says something different. Some say the next day. Some say, like, within the hour. Some say he closed the door and then reopened it. It was trashed. Basically, he did that. He locked the door. And then sometime after there, he did unlock the door. And he was shocked to find the room was in complete shambles. So him and his wife were a bit freaked out. But they decided, hey, you know what? This mansion's still worth it. We're still fine. So sometimes later, sometime later after that, he, uh, him and his wife were at a dinner party. So they left the house, but a servant at the mansion thought he heard someone upstairs in that room. So he goes upstairs and he sees a man. He says a European man walked towards the room and through the closed and locked door. When the Baileys got back, he told them, hey, this is exactly what I saw. Oh my God, what, am I being invaded? Can you guys hear that helicopter? Hold on, I want to check the helicopter. This, you guys, it'll just be like, I've come right back, don't worry. And a back, just like that. There was some crazy, like, giant military helicopter just, like, flying slowly over my house. The government, they're on to me. I don't think it was connected to the podcast. All right, where was I? Oh, yeah, so the Baileys are like, what do you mean there was a European man that walked through the closed door and locked door? No way, no how. Nah, it's not worth it. So they moved out and only managed to stay in the mansion for about a year. Now, the odd thing, though, is that it's called the Charville Mansion Poltergeist. Every story calls it a poltergeist. To me, personally, to Kurt here, the only kind of poltergeisty thing is that it wrecked a room. The description of the entity that walked through the door was a European man, well off. It doesn't have any classic poltergeist elements. So I'm just going to say this was a ghost that didn't like people messing with his mansion. And I will say that there are a ton of unverified stories of other Europeans living in the mansion, seeing a man in the upstairs room as well, up to and including 1947 for another 30 plus years. 
Now, it seems that sometime after this, though, the entire mansion was remodeled, and it doesn't seem that they still have that European man ghost sighting. One of the things I found kind of interesting, not exactly odd, because I knew of the um, British occupation of, of India, or most of India, um, was that a lot of the ghosts seem to be of a European descent. I thought that was really kind of bizarre. You're kind of you're gonna hear it more and more throughout this episode. But before we talk about more European men, let's talk about a few of the ladies of India. The first lady is a lady in white, but she's wrapped in a white sari. Now she's been seen in the area around Delhi Kant, 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 I don't know, who asks motorists for lifts and then suddenly disappears. Now, grain of salt, a lot of sites say. They have like a tally on her saying, more than 100 of people who have seen the lady of Delhi Cant Road, 10 to 12 of them have died. Eyewitnesses recount. Near metro station of Dwarka, there's a lady in a pure white sari who sometimes appears, other times disappears while walking. She knocks the doors of cars passing through that road. Even if the car is running at a high speed, she'll run along and knock the door of your car. If you stop the car, you are gone. Here's where the legend kind of goes off the rails. On a lot of sites, they say that any driver that picks her up are never seen again. Yeah, so how do they know they picked her up? It's not like this person's like on the phone with his mom going, oh, wait, wait, hold on. There's a white, there's a lady in a white, sorry. I'm going to pick her up. Don't worry, it's fine. She's like hitchhiking. I'm just going to pick her up real quick. Okay, mom, poof, and then he disappears. Like, how do they know that? Then, another off-the-rails kind of thing, other sites say, we know who she was. She was a victim of rape that now abducts people that want to pick her up. Okay. Or, she's a spurned lover. She caught her husband cheating on her on that very road, and now anyone that stops to help her will suffer the same fate as her husband. You know... The quickest way to make me go, oh, this is BS, is to tell me you know exactly who the legend is without, like, there's no name, there's no, there's not like there was ever a news story about a rape victim that was, you know, killed on that very road, stretch of the road, or a spurned lover that was killed on that very stretch. No, it's just good fodder for, like, internet. So people can be like, ooh, spooky scores. You know, don't tell these stories before you go to bed. I hate those kinds of things. It's cool enough on its own. There is a woman, a lady in white ghost seen here a lot. You don't need to add to the story. That's cool enough on its own. All right, then we have another lady. She's in uh, D'Souza Chowl in Mumbai. People there have reported a ghost lady who's seen in the area at night and vanishes once the sun rises. Now, she doesn't seem to do much other than, you know, just kind of like be a ghost and go for a walk or walk around. But this, uh, but still, the legend for her is that she was an old lady who fell into a well while drawing water and drowned as no one heard her cries for help. Why? No idea. There is no connection to a well or she's, you know, sopping wet. She doesn't look like the girl from the ring. Nothing. But a ton of people have reported seeing a ghost lady in that very area, and she does seem to disappear when the sun rises. So, kind of cool. Whatever. Moving on. Let's go over to Sanjay Van in Delhi, where a lady in white is seen going into or coming out of the forest, but only for a quick second before disappearing. And again, a lot of people see her. A ton of people. They see her out of the corner of their eye, which always makes me go, well, did they really see her? But then other people have said, no, um, my friend goes, hey, did you see that? And I looked over and I saw her going into the forest and then poof, she was gone. All right, let's go over to the mansion on Residency Club Road in Poon. I hope it's Poon because if not, I am really butchering that badly. I'm just going to say it's Poon. Whatever. I'm not swearing on this episode, but I can say Poon. Um, it's haunted by the spirit of an elderly lady who was murdered in the mansion. Now, passers-by claim to see a shadowy figure of an old lady gazing out of the windows and screaming for help. Now, I couldn't find anything in the newspapers about a woman murdered in a mansion on Residency Club Road in Poon, but it doesn't say a lot because there's not a ton of papers in English that I could have read, so I don't know. 
I'm just going to put it up there as, you know, grain of salt. But people are seeing a shadowy figure of an old lady gazing out of the window and apparently are appearing to scream for help. All righty, let's go on to the ghost of Lady Garnet Orm. Now, she's seen at the Savoy Hotel in Musori, where she was murdered by adding strychnine in her medicine bottle. Years later, the doctor who was tending to her was found dead in similar circumstances. Now, this case did create a lot of buzz and actually kind of found its way into an Agatha Christie novel, The Mysterious Affairs at The Mysterious Affair at Styles. So there does seem to be something really to this. The basis of the story is real. Agatha Christie did get it because of this kernel of the truth uh, story. And people are still seeing her ghost to this day at the Savoy Hotel. But I don't get, why was she adding strychnine in her medicine bottle? It, was that a thing back then to be like, you know, strychnine will, you know, it's like cocaine will cure you. Your, what ails you? I don't know. All right, but I think that's the majority of the women ghosts in India. There are a lot more, but the rest of them are very basic. You know, like I hear a woman and then footsteps and knocks and stuff like that. So let's move on to a film location there. Now it's called Ramoji Film City. It was built in 1996 and it's 1,600 plus acres big. It's in Hyderabad. Wait, Hyderabad. Hyderabad. It doesn't matter. It's called Ramoji Film City. It's 1,600 plus acres. It's visited by one and a half million tourists a year. And I give you an idea, because I didn't have any clue. I was like, is that, I mean, it seems really big, but what is, how does it compare to something that I would know? All right. Universal Studios Hollywood is only 400 acres. So this film city is just that. It is a city. It is huge, but it seems to have a dark side. Because it was built on the Nizam's battlefield. So kind of like, you know, building on a graveyard. It's just not a good idea anywhere in the world to build something where a lot of people have died tragically. And yep, people have reported seeing soldiers' ghosts wandering the film lot to soldiers and generals who died in the, um, died fighting for the Nizam of, oh, it's there it again, Hyderabadad, Hyderabadad. Abid. Hyder Abid. Sure. I'm so sorry, people. All right. So what do the people see here? They see that uh, lights going on and off randomly and not just like, you know, house lights, like the big film production lights. Stuntmen getting injured on, in accidents on a regular basis here. There's also, besides like the stunt people, like getting pushed or whatever, crew members feel a sudden push, even though nobody is around. When they're up in the, uh, the berms, like up high, putting up lights and rigging and everything, they'll feel someone push them and there's nobody around. Thankfully, they didn't die. Uh, let's see what I, I already said. Lights going off suddenly. Mirrors. Here's a cool one. They find mirrors that are written on in Urdu. Now, I really, really tried hard to find some photos of this, but I couldn't find any photos of these mirrors that are getting written on because I wanted to see, hopefully I could find you know what they were saying. I want to see what it looked like some kind of translation. I wanted to find out what they're writing on on the mirrors and why isn't that a bigger story? Uh, film and lighting equipment is destroyed regularly. The uh, The ghosts tend to be particularly interested in the women on the lot and also on the nearby hotels. Like I said, it's a huge tourist attraction place, kind of like, again, Universal Studios Hollywood where they have hotels right around the studios. Many actresses claim to hear whispers see shadows, and have things moved in their dressing rooms, and a few sites say that actresses there have reported their costumes getting ripped apart when no one is there. Now, the local hotels have had all of this happen there, too, including the Urdu scribblings on the mirrors, food being suddenly half-eaten. So ghosts are eating food, Slimer-style. Uh, doors getting locked on their own, whispers, voices, shadows, shoves, lights going on and off. All are reported there as well. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Stop building crap on burial grounds. You build stuff on burial grounds, this is what you get. All right, here's another one with a movie connection. It's the Mukesh Mills in Mumbai. Now, it was built in the 1870s. It was a mill, but then in 1971 or 72, 
It was renovated, then burnt down in 1982. Then recently, a director decided, hey, this burnt down abandoned mill would be the perfect location for a horror movie. But almost immediately, the cast and crew started having paranormal activity there. I'm talking shadow figures, disembodied footsteps, strange sounds, feelings of being watched. Now here's your grain of salt story for this location. An actress was shooting at the mill, started behaving strangely, and warned the crew members to leave the place immediately in a manly voice. All right, Kurt here. Here's my problem with that. If you're there shooting a horror movie, then there would be cameras. Nobody got this on camera? Not only that, this is current. This just happened, this horror movie. Nobody got it on a cell phone? Are you telling me that this actress all of a sudden started talking and telling, warning people in a manly voice and no one was like, uh, I'm going to film this because what the crap is happening here? I call serious BS on this one. All right, let's move on over to Brijraj Bhavan Palace or Brijraj Bhavan Palace. It was built in the early 19th century, then turned into a hotel in 1980. Eyewitnesses here say it's haunted by the ghost of Major Burton, who was killed by Indians in the 1857 armed revolt against the British. For this episode, in case you guys haven't grasped it, you Americans, when I say killed by Indians, I mean people from India, not Native Americans. So it makes sense to you, okay? All right, so anyhow, um, Major Burton... There was an armed revolt against the British by the Indians. He was holed up in one of the upper rooms with his two sons, um, and, and they just kind of, like, looted the palace. When they, were, when they surrendered after five hours, they're like, there's no way we can get out. These people are looting the palace. There's nowhere for us to go. Well, the soldiers killed him and his two sons and then buried them at a nearby Kota Cemetery. Now, guards that work here at the... Bridge Raj Bhavan Palace often see the ghost of Major Burton. They hear a man's voice speaking in English and commanding them not to fall asleep or smoke while at work. And if they do fall asleep on duty, the ghost even slaps them to wake them up. There's a ghost for you. So I guess if you really want to see this ghost, pretend like you're sleeping, act like a security guard, pretend like you're sleeping. And when the ghost, like, goes to slap you, you just kind of grab his ghost hand and boom, you caught yourself a ghost. You caught yourself the ghost of Major Burton. Alrighty, let's move on over to the annoying ghost at the Raj Kiran Hotel in Lonavala. Lonavala? Now, this creepy as heck ghost likes to pull the bed sheets off you as you sleep. Now, I couldn't find the exact room number, but... From a lot of sites and things that I could find online, you can just ask for the room when you check in. You say, hey, I want to sleep in the room where the ghost pulls my sheets off me as I sleep. Why you'd want to, I have no idea. How about you don't mess with me as I sleep? Because everyone knows that sheets or covers over your feet keep you safe from monsters, you jerk. So knock it off, you crazy, creepy ghost. Look, I want to see a ghost. I want to have 100% proof of ghosts. I don't want it while I'm sleeping and they pull the sheets off me. That's too creepy for me. Alrighty, up next is the first possible plausible kind of debunk on this episode. The Alia lights or Alia lights, A-L-E-Y-A. Now, these are lights that are in West Bengal. Now, they're found in bog lands, swamps, and marshes. According to the local belief, though, these lights are emanating from the stranded spirit of dead fishermen who lost their lives in these swamps. Now, these lights have even been said by the locals to kill people. Many people have been found washed up in this area, and the locals are quick to blame the lights for luring people out into deeper water and drowning them. Here's the thing. These lights are very reminiscent of the Will-o'-the-Wisps or the Jack-o'-lantern lights, basically... Lights that are seen elsewhere in the world. These types of swamp lights have been debunked. I know you true believers go, ah, that's, you know, everybody uses swamp gas as the be-all, end-all for trying to explain paranormal things. Yeah, you're right. Anytime they say that UFO was swamp gas, nine times out of ten, I'm going to say, nah, that's a crap answer. 
Sorry, Project Blue Book. That's a crap answer, Alan Hynek. But it's been proven that methane builds up, and when it kind of like burps out, it can ignite and cause swamp gas. So I'm going to say this. Yes, swamp gas is the accurate answer, the correct answer, whatever you want to call it. Swamp gas is the accurate, correct answer for this particular paranormal event. Okay, I'm calling it now. Up next on this list is one of the ones that I really wanted to do. That's why I kind of wanted to do this episode. And I was getting mad at myself that it had taken so long to do this episode. This is a place I would love to visit. It's called Faraz Shah Kotla in Delhi. Faraz Shah Kotla in Delhi. Now, it's the ruins of a 14th century fort. It was built by Sultan Faraz Shah Tughlaq in the 14th century and now is nestled between a cricket stadium and Delhi's Ring Road. So it's just like, boom, right there in the middle of ginormous stuff. But thankfully, they didn't destroy these ruins because people from all around the world come here for one reason, wish-granting jinns. Now, people especially show up here on Thursdays. Now, I'm talking sometimes in the thousands because it's said that on Thursdays, you are guaranteed to have your prayers heard and answered by the jinns that kind of work there. It's almost like that's their office. So what you do is you basically you go there, you write down your prayer. Many people take like photocopies of their prayer, and then you bring an offering as well. And you put them all over the fort for a better chance of them being seen by the correct jinn. I think that is freaking awesome. Now, near the Jami Masjid, Masjid is a mosque inside Kotla. So basically, it doesn't matter. I know I'm butchering it. Basically, there's this giant 13.1 meter, highly polished sandstone pillar in this fort. Now, it was originally erected by Emperor Ahsoka in Ambala in the 3rd century BC, and centuries later, it was lifted over to where it's at currently. The popular belief here is the chief of the jinns lives in the pillar. So if you really want your prayer answered by the chief, you have to tie your letter to the railing around the pillar. They have kind of like a safety railing around the pillar. Now, like I said, people have visited here, say that their illnesses went away, their children got better, their businesses suddenly recovered. They got a lot of money. Pretty much anything you can think of that people would pray or hope for or wish for has come true here. And because of this, people keep coming back every Thursday. I guess I should say, I should have said it earlier, I apologize. If you don't know what a gin is, it's kind of like a genie. It's kind of like the, you know, like you rub the lamp, the genie comes out, you get your wish. I did an episode about them earlier. Kind of check that episode out because it does come with a price, I will say, or at least it seems to. But I think it's very cool that this place is here with a lot of people that have said, you know, I wasn't sure if I believed it or not. I went there. I gave them my offering of food or incense or money. Some people leave coins there. I left my note and my prayer was answered. Now, there's a lot of people that are like kind of uh, praying on all of these poor people saying, hey, you know, like, the gin, I work with the gin. You give me some money, I can get you in with the gin, and your prayer will be answered first. So, obviously, don't give those jerks any money, but I would love to go there, check it out. There's a lot of really bizarre stories about what's underneath, like the catacombs, if you will, underneath, that they're so caustic with smoke fumes and um, incense fumes that people have said, like, I can only go in there for, like, maybe five minutes, and I had to, like, run back out because I was almost losing consciousness. But the deeper you go, again, apparently, you deal with different gins in different part of the fort, and they help you out more or are more apt to help you out in the deeper parts of this place. It just sounds like such a cool place to check out. It's very beautiful to see as well. Um, like I said, this is the one, that's the reason I wanted to do this episode. And... Right outside of this fort is the Kuni Darwaza. 
or the gate of blood or the bloody gate, depending on where you get your info. But let's be honest, either one of those nicknames, gate of blood or bloody gate, yeah, they're equally bad. Now, this gate has been there since the 1500s, and it's one of 13 gates that still remain. It got its nickname, the Gate of Blood or Bloody Gate, whatever, because of how many people were beheaded there or killed there. Now, many visitors have noted seeing bloodstains appear and disappear right in front of their eyes. But if you're a foreigner, take this as a good or bad, however you want to take it, if you're a foreigner, you have a better chance of paranormal activity because it seems to focus on foreigners. People have been slapped, bitten, scratched, yelled at, pushed. So beware, if you do decide to stop here, if you go to the gate, you know, you, you really want to go to the fort, cool. But right outside the fort is this really cool paranormal gate as well. But if you're a foreigner, crap's going to happen to you. Now, the locals say... There are thousands of ghosts that reside at the gate. It's thought that because of the atrocities done here by the British, that the ghosts tend to lash out at foreigners to this day. And the fact that it's a gate is why there are thousands of ghosts there. All right, let's next, uh, let's talk about a tunnel with at least two ghosts that are seen and heard here often. It's tunnel number 33 on the Kalkashimla train route. It is a two-minute-long straight tunnel through a mountain. It seems to be mainly haunted by one man, Colonel Barogue, or Barak. He was a British engineer. He was in charge of building the tunnel, but failed. Basically, they were running out of time. They had a really tight deadline. They were running out of time, so he's like, all right, you team, you, you start digging from this direction, and you team, you start digging from the other side of the mountain, and we'll meet in the middle, and a boom, bing, bam, done. Well... Team A started digging in that one direction. Team B started digging in that direction. And then they realized, oh, yeah, we're not, uh, you know, we're not square. We're not straight. And so they're basically digging two side-by-side tunnels. Um, it failed so badly that the British find him. They were like, all right, you can't be on the project anymore, and we have to find you. And it was only like one, whatever, ruble, shecky, whatever, dollar, whatever it was, one pound. They were like, look, dude, we got to find you. You, you screwed up really bad. You're off the project. But he was so humiliated by this that sadly he took his own life. Now, the tunnel was named after him, which is all well and good. Everybody's like, geez, wasn't that bad? You know, we can fix it. But people often see his ghost here. But don't worry. He's the friendly one of the two ghosts that are seen here. He's also seen in the nearby village, but both places, he said to have ha, uh, he said to have friendly conversations with people. So if you see a friendly Colonel-looking, 1900s-looking Colonel-British-looking dude, chat him up. He seems to be very happy and very friendly. The other ghost, though, that's been seen in the tunnel, or should I say, running out of the tunnel, well, she isn't as nice. Because people have reported the ghost of a screaming woman that runs out of the tunnel, then disappears. So, I guess, you know, like, go check out tunnel number 33 of the Kalkashimla train route. And good luck. You're either going to get a really chatty, friendly colonel, or a woman screaming, like, her head off, or a woman screaming her head off right in your face while running at you. So... Good luck. I don't know what to say to that. All right, let's move on to the Lothian Cemetery. It's the oldest Christian burial ground situated within Delhi. Now, it's said it, uh, it dates back to 1808 and accepted interments until 1867, but it's said that it was built upon an Indian burial ground or cemetery or whatever with no respect for the Indians that were buried there. There are a lot of ghost sightings here, including voices, whispers, touching, moving things. But a lot of eyewitnesses talk about one particular ghost, the ghost of a British soldier. Yep, another one. It's like, what, three or four already on this episode. This one who goes by the name of Sir Nicholas. He uh, supposedly appears as a headless apparition in search of his lost lover. Here's my problem with this one. Isn't headless Nick 
Wasn't he called Sir Nicholas from the one from Harry Potter? He was a headless apparition who was, you know, had a lost lover. I'm kind of want to call BS on this one, but I couldn't find which came first. The Sir, Sir Headless Nick from Harry Potter or the Sir Headless Nick from the Lothian Cemetery. But it's still high up on my BS meter. And if he is real, hey, Sir Nicholas, Kurt here. How about you find your head first? Then you find your lost lover. Don't just go searching for your lost lover without your head. Probably ain't going to go over too well. All right, next up is the Victoria's Boys High School and Dow Hills Girl Boarding School in Kursong, uh, Darjeeling. Well, it's actually the woods surrounding it are far more haunted than the actual boarding school itself. The boarding school has all the typical ghost stuff, voices, footsteps, sounds, stuff moving, blah, blah, blah. But the woods around the boarding school, again, according to legend, are insanely haunted. It's said that a bunch of murdered bodies have been found in the woods by hikers. And I guess that's not too surprising because if you want to hide a dead body, woods are a great place to do it. Kurt here, if you hide a dead body in the woods and you get caught, don't say, well, I heard it on Paranormal Almanac. It was a great place to hide a dead body. No, I do not take uh, blame or credit or anything for that. That's all on you. But there's a thing, um, it's said often in Los Angeles that if, Every dead body was to stand up and walk out of the, um, the, the forest right around Los Angeles that it would like kind of triple or double the, the population. Like it'd just be a ton of dead bodies up there and they're just, you know, waiting for them to come out if they were obviously to get up and walk out. So yeah, I get that. Dead bodies in the woods? Sure, totally. But anyhow, people have seen ghosts going into or out of the woods and even have seen a headless boy who wanders into the woods and then disappears when you follow it. When you follow it? I am not following a headless boy into haunted woods. Nope, that's not even worth it for a patron episode. That sounds scary as crap. Hey, did you hear Kurt died because he followed a headless boy ghost in the woods in India? They were haunted woods. I don't know why he did that. He did? Well, he got what he deserved then. Yeah, don't follow headless boys into haunted woods in India, people. It's not worth it. Never worth it. Alrighty, let's see. There's, uh, what do we got? Oh, there's a supposedly a river that kills here. And if you don't believe it, you might be in denial. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a Jungle Cruise ride joke. Um, uh, there's a river called the Kuni Nadi, and it kills you. Now, despite what I find online, it's at best kind of just like a small stream, in my opinion. Like I said, I looked it up online. I was like, I wouldn't call that a river. But they call it a river. It's the Kuninati. It's believed that anyone who touches the water is sucked inside and never seen again. Now, people claim to hear wailing and crying sounds coming from the stream or the sounds of something, someone trying to lure you to touch the stream. Never touched the stream, never crossed the streams. Uh, Dumas Beach is another one where people hear voices, but this one, the voices are warning them to avoid the waters and to turn around before they get to the shore. Legend here says that if you ignore the voices telling you to turn around and you kind of like keep walking to the shore, you'll never be seen again. Again, how they know that, I don't know. All right, we got to get, no, we're still doing okay. Um, next up is the most haunted fort in India, the Bangar, the Bangar Fort. The Bangar Fort was built in 1573. Now, there are two legends that are associated with the fort. The first legend claims that a king named Mato Singh raised the Bangar Fort after obtaining due permissions from a Cedic named Bala Nath who lived there. But there was a condition who said that the shadow of the fort must never fall upon the home of Bala Nath. But wouldn't you know it? Someone added some pillars later on, and it caused a shadow on that dude's home, whatever little hut, and boom, curse. The second legend says Princess Rat Ratnavati, Princess Ratnavati was so beautiful that a local black magician fell in love with her and tried some kind of magic love potion to make her fall in love with him. Now, 
If you've seen any Disney movies, you will know this never works. So the princess figures it out before she drank the potion. She brought him to a spot he thought, you know, to kind of get it on. But the only it he got was a huge boulder that she pushed over onto him, and he got dead. But not before the magician placed a curse upon the entire landscape that no soul would ever be able to live in peace there. So it's kind of like, you know, choose your own curse. There's the place is cursed. The fort is cursed, but you got to figure out which one you kind of dig. Now, locals do call the fort a boot banglas or haunted house. Kind of debunk time. The Archaeological Survey of India has legally prohibited anyone from entering the Bangar fort after dark. That's true, but... Sorry, tons of sights. It's not because the ghosts will get you more at night. It's not like if you go there at night, the ghosts are going to get you. No. It's an archaeological ruin, and they don't want a bunch of dumb ghost hunters kind of destroying the site. So, yeah, you can't go there at night, but you can go there during the day. There's a lot of tours that go through there, and... There are a ton of legends about ghosts here and ton of the basic paranormal stuff that a lot of tourists see just in the hour or two that they're actually there on a tour. You know, like voices, orbs, cold spots, footsteps, shadows. You know, when I get to that, I have to move on. But it is said that it is a very good place to go if you want to see or hear ghosts. And it happens very regularly. Alrighty, up next is the Bombay High Court. I think this is the last one on the list. Yeah, it is. The Bombay High Court, uh, lawyers working in the Bombay High Court believe that one of the courtrooms is haunted by a ghost who restricts the entry of the accused into the courtroom every time there's a murder trial. So if you're on trial for a murder there, you're going to find it very difficult to get into the courtroom, and it's because of this ghost. They said this has been going on for the past, like, 30 years. It doesn't say how it restricts the people from getting into the courtroom, but again, there are a ton of stories online about every time there's a murder trial, yep, the ghost steps up again. They don't know if it was a ghost of a guard, a ghost of a lawyer, a ghost of a judge, or someone, like, just trying to, you know, past judgment from beyond, but if you ever find yourself, hopefully you never do, hopefully everybody listening to this will never find themselves at the Bombay High Court on trial for murder, but if you do, just let me know what the ghost does to you, because it doesn't really say, and I'm very kind of curious to see, you know, what the ghost actually does to you. All right, with that, that about does it for this. Like I said, the list is very long, so much longer than what I've already done. I'm going to eventually do another Haunted India edition, but I wanted to get this one out because I really like doing the international, at least to me, the international episodes, learning about places that I've never been to, obviously, and how crazy cool the paranormal stories are from India. It's just a fantastic place for paranormal stories. There's tons more. I've got to have another... Wow, 15 or 20 on here from hotels to schools to another beach to another fort. Um, There's tons on here. It's a lot of really, really cool stuff. But this kind of like motivated me to get this one done. So I will do a follow-up episode. I hope you guys like these kind of international ones because there's some very, very cool stories. Like I said, I would love, absolutely love to go and see the gin. I would give them a little prayer. I would be... I would have to really think about it because, like I said, the gin are kind of like the genies, the real genies, not like the, you know, the Robin Williams blue genie that'll just sing at you in different voices. The gin are like the genies that um, you have to be exact with your wording or they'll twist it. You know, I want all the money in the world and they send you literally all the money in the world. No one else has any money, so money has no meaning and you're just, you know, stuck there on this ginormous pile of money and it's useless. Or, you know, I, God, I wish my my friend that died would come back. Okay, well, he came back, but now he's a zombie and he's going to kill you. Like, you got to be very specific with your wording. But I think it'd be very cool to check it out. I would just like to see it on a Thursday. I'd like to see thousands of people coming down to ask Jin to answer their prayers or their hopes or dreams or whatever it is. I just think it'd be a very cool 
way to see a different country because obviously it'd be, obviously it's very foreign to me, but it'd be very different from what I'm used to in America. I think, ah, I would love to check it out. That's my hope is that I get to check that out. No one write that on a paper and put it in, in the, don't, don't do that because you know, the gin will be like, all right, Kirk can come here, but he can never leave. And now he's a gin. Like, no, no, I'll do it. Don't worry. I'll get there. I'm just saying it's a cool place to go. All right, what did you guys think? What's your favorite place from India? What's a place here? Actually, this is a better question. Screw that. That was a terrible question. Do you have, do you know of another haunted location in India that I should be talking about? Because like I said, I've got a, a full list for another episode, but do you have a place that I should be checking out? If so, let me know because I want to do more of these international kinds of stories because they're so fascinating to me. I absolutely love them. So hopefully you guys do. Hopefully you say, oh, well, you don't know about this one or you didn't mention this one. And it might be on that list that I already have for the next one, but it might not be. And I want to talk about that one as well. So I hope you guys like this one. Uh, There's a live episode coming up tomorrow, November 16th, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live and on Twitch. Uh, Twitch seems to be a little bit better way to see it. Uh, I can interact with both of y'all, um, but it's a live call-in show with some more fantastic calls, so call me then. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samkin. This has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac.